0: Good evening, Mets fans. It's July 31st, and wow, what a great week for the Mets. You think about it, there's a big win against the Dodgers, a couple of tough losses against the Padres, sure. Phenomenal series against the Nats. Wilmer stuck around even though he was so upset and thought he was going to be traded. And we got Cespedes. Oh, wait a minute. That was the 2015 Mets. So let me check my notes. And ooh, two ugly blown saves and barely two wins. <sighs> Mets Wrap 360 starts now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Thank you. Well, we're all here today to just make some comments that are very important. Of all the Mets seasons that I've encountered in my travels... This was the most... Human... But what can we do? We soldier on because we have to. Can the Mets season possibly be jettisoned to the Genesis planet and be born again as we get close to the trading deadline? Let's just say we can hope so, but uh, it's not a great feeling here in Metsville, but here alongside me sitting in is uh, Melissa Weinstein at Melissa Wine. Yes, hello. uh, On assignment, both Andrea Fasano and Matt Ritter. Um, I think they're both on assignment next week too. So I'll put you on the spot and say, I "Hope you're here next week. If not, it's all right. We'll see how today we can goes." Tell you. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of things to talk about. I- I'm your uh, your moderator for uh, Mets Rap 360. Christian Blatt at Christian DMZ, and of course, the show's Twitter is at abtvmets. And uh, don't forget to uh, like us on iTunes, comment, rank, and all that stuff on YouTube. Support the show. We appreciate it. So, I guess what it comes down to, before we break down into some of the more painful aspects of this week, Melissa, the first thing that I'll say, last week's show, I was really on Neil Walker. Was not a big Neil Walker fan. I wanted him to sit down, not start as much. I said both him and Azdrubal Cabrera. That's kind of half right. But, Neil Walker... What a great week. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple games where he went three for three. I think he might have had seven consecutive hits over two days. He
1: actually went 12 for 19 great. this week. The only game that he did not hit in looks like game two of the doubleheader on Tuesday. and he The didn't one play. that they won. So yes.
0: they didn't need him to hit, Exactly, apparently. and he
1: didn't play in game one. So okay.
0: Like, no so, problem. No problem. So, look, I'm happy to be wrong. I hope that the whole overly dramatic but still really upsetting opening to the show is uh, blown out of proportion. And even by next week, I'm excited again. Uh, but it, it was just a bad week to be watching Mets baseball um, because even when the games were fun and enjoyable, they didn't end that way. And uh, that hurts. So what we could hope for is that reinforcements are on the way. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Roy from the Brewers now who went to the Indians, well, vetoed the trade of the Indians. Yeah. And, you know, so now it's like it's still the carrot that the Mets are dangling. But I'm much more interested that there's talks in there. At least there's some interest in Jay Bruce from the Reds. I think that's much more useful. I mean, you already have a a offensively minded catcher. Not that Lucre isn't great, but I didn't know that that was what. They needed. saw as their biggest need. <laughs> so are you hearing anything encouraging, you know, from all the beat writers, from the Mark Krigs, from the Adam Rubens, from all that crowd? Because I'm not. Maybe you no. read, read more we, closely. You know
1: what? And I think it's a lot of it has to do with what happened last year with Wilmer Flores. I think there's they still want to do their jobs and they yeah. still want to report on it. But at the end of the day, we have to remember trade rumors are rumors. Yeah. And you can't jump the gun on it. And you can talk as much about it as you want before it happens. But you're wrong.
0: Yeah. It's We're, not going to happen. Case in point, Wilmer's still on the team a year later. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, and, you know, I agree that looking into bullpen help made sense. Um, I, uh, As I was telling you before we started, uh, I was actually just down in Anaheim uh, watching the Red Sox and Angels with a friend of mine. Houston Street is somebody you've heard that the Mets might be possibly interested in. Uh, he came in the top of the ninth with a 3 nothing lead. And gave up uh, five runs to the Red Sox. So the way I look at that is not that he's not a good deal. He's not a good pitcher for the Mets. He had a bad day, but maybe all of a sudden he's a little bit cheaper. So uh, I, you know, I feel like if you can put in the bullpen guys who have been closers before, uh, like Addison Reed, and you know. Clippered last year, By, at the end, it, it was it was really disappointing. But, you know, as they were sort of going over the hump in August and early September, he was great, and he had been a closer. So if they can get another arm, somebody that's been a closer, Joe Smith, somebody they talked about, I, I vaguely remember him being a closer for the Yankees at one point. So, and we won't talk about specific players, Melissa, but if there's a need to address, and if you have a specific player in mind, please go ahead, but I'm not going to put you on the spot to pick it. Okay. but. What do you think is the most important thing that they address in terms of, you know, in the next, what do we have, like 12, 15, 16 hours? No, 1 o'clock tomorrow. 1 o'clock our time, yeah.
1: You know what? I think they're making too big a deal out of the Lucroy trade. Not that Lucroy isn't a great player. Right. Um, But as we discussed last week, they need a big bat. Yeah. But they need to find... We're National League. You can't have a DH. You got to find somewhere to put him in the field. And they... You know, they can't do that with the guys they have.
0: Right. And, you know, the reason why the trade fell apart with the Brewers before it worked with the Indians, before it was vetoed, was that the Brewers wanted Darno, Nimmo, and somebody else. And it was like Darno and Nimmo is sort of already too much, but you might overpay if it's a need you really wanted. And then to also want somebody else, they were probably just like, you know what, if we're going to give up three players, let's try and get Jay Bruce, who we can put in the outfield because we have five outfielders, only one of them's healthy right so and now
1: with with the veto of the trade you know uh, the brewers are much more desperate to get rid of luke roy and the mets assuming that they're still interested in making this deal can get him for you know maybe the price that they wanted him for originally
0: yeah i think that the the price probably went down a little bit because everybody knows that you weren't able to get it done so i don't know It'll be interesting to see and you know if we were doing this show tomorrow night we'd uh, know for sure but it's great because we'll have a whole week to really see how any trades happen and if they don't Oh, I'm going to be livid next week. Even if they don't, you know, even if they don't make a minor addition, like they got to do something, you know? I mean,
1: can you not count Ruggiano as a minor addition? Well,
0: because he was from the minor leagues?
1: No. (laughs) I mean, he's now like, he's a legit Met now. He, you know, overran that ball. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He he got out stealing third. He is a true Met and it's been what? 36 I hours? I thought we
0: got rid of Daniel Murphy, but there he was, running Back the bases. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, Ruggiano, yeah. is that going to be the uh, the the big acquisition, which was not really an acquisition? I, I, I'm sure... I do believe that they're trying, and if they don't make anything, I won't be as upset in years where the team... You know, probably wasn't as good as I hoped they were, and they didn't do anything. They're at least trying to get some stuff done, but I don't think that they... You know, look, they've already gone through a lot of stuff in the farm for some of the deals they made, mm-hmm. especially you know, Cespedes. So if they, they don't get it done, there'll still be some players around for the next couple of years, you know, Darno, Nimo, and who right. knows what else. And I do
1: think it's important to note, I saw, I believe it was Anthony Decomo who tweeted just before we came on, that the Mets record today was the exact same as it was at this time last year.
0: So uh after the game four games over 500 or before the game three games over I don't,
1: 500 I didn't read it that close Come on
0: Anthony be more specific No that's <laughs> He probably
1: but, wrote it So that's interesting
0: day. because yeah as the season's gone along as disappointing as some of the games have been they're sort of kind of on pace where they were last year The exactly. difference was last year they added a guy who was just a beast mm-hmm. you know and, and of course
1: now you know I mean he's going to get five games as a DL Yeah I mean as a sorry a DH but Right. How much is that going to do for us?
0: Right. Well, the games are in Detroit, right? So yeah, New so York it's, and then it's Detroit. New York and then Detroit. So there are five games. So, yeah, Ugh. five games to the DL didn't sound good. I got No, nervous. No, 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 no. But uh, yeah, five games is a DH. We've already added yeah.
1: I'm gonna say two and a half. Did they correct. add
0: Cabrera today? So I... not
1: technically, but I did check. So there's eight Mets on the DL. It does not include Cespedes. Sorry, but it does include Cabrera because I'm okay. making an assumption.
0: And you're not counting uh, Matt Harvey, or correct? Okay. So, so wait,
1: no, I am. Sorry. Okay. So there are eight Mets on the DL. Do you have a
0: list, or is it? It's okay no, if you don't.
1: But three of them were added this week. Again, assuming Cabrera is added, and then Lagares and Reyes. Yeah. That's an absurd which number. Which is
0: in... the perfect opportunity to talk about the oh, Cabaret swine, which I'm holding up for our YouTube viewers. Um, I'm getting the feeling that I should have opened it last week because he, Reyes had had a good week. I, we were all feeling good about the team. Now this is like, I might, <clears throat> I might have to drink it the last week of the season just that, you know, out of, as long uh, some, as I'm here, you can drink yeah, oh, no, you you, whatever happens, you'll be here the last week of the season. Cause you know, as hopefully we're like gearing towards a wild card or even, you know, a, a division series or something, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out, but, I feel bad because I, I think last week might have been the week to try and. But you know what?
1: There's going to be something better. He's going to hit for the cycle. But it he's has going to, to do be something. okay.
0: But the rules for the Cabaret's wine for those who maybe didn't see when I first talked, Reyes has to do something really significant. It has yeah. to help the team yes. win because he's had some great games within the team lost. So. Uh yeah so anyway we'll we'll just push this over to the side for uh, right now so because it's it's not <laughs> happening today. Uh anyway we talked a lot about Mike Piazza last week but they retired his number at Citi Field today uh, not today it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh so that was exciting because it was more time to talk about Mike what a great Mets career he had and uh I know that uh, they had you know these festivities and he did the lap in the outfield. Uh, what did you think when you saw that Melissa?
1: It made me so happy I cried a little bit. Um.
0: See, you're allowed to cry a little bit. Like if because I cried a little is bit, because am crying I, in baseball. No, but Tom it, Hanks? It, it, Yeah, but if I cried a little bit, I'd have to pretend I didn't.
1: No, I think you're allowed to. It's well, if it's Mike
0: mess. Piazza makes me very emotional. He you does, know? and, and I'll, I'll always point to the game I referenced last week, the first game after 9/11. So I feel like I'm allowed to be emotional of course, because of that, especially
1: yeah. as it resol- revolves around that game. Yeah. Um, but watching his speech, two things really stood out to me. One, when he thanked the Wilpons and everyone booed, and he said, <laughs> "You know, you can't." Like, I'm an owner now. It's not that easy. And do I always like what the Wilpons do? Of course not. No. But they're people, and they have a job that I can never fathom having, and I don't know what it takes to do their job. So I can, you know, hate them all I want, but at the end of the day... They're doing it better than I ever could.
0: Right. You can hate them all you want, but, you know, when uh, Mets team unexpectedly went to the World Series last year, you know, things were done Uh, right. Exactly. I think, you know, there's a lot of criticism for the moves that Sandy doesn't make, but he made some great moves last year. Mm -hmm. And like I said, if he doesn't make them this year, I'm not going to be as upset. Because what we're starting to see from this Mets team is that they are not last year's team. They're not capable of uh, rattling off wins the way the team was last year. And, you know, up until uh, the later part of this week, they were alternating. They won a game, lost a game, won a game, lost a game. And it's like This was their
1: longest losing streak of the season.
0: Right, well, so it ended up being four games that they lost, right? Five. Five, but they That's... didn't lose today.
1: So. No, we're back on the win streak. <laughs> we're back streak. on the
0: win streak, yeah.
1: And Familia is back on his... Uh... Right,
0: well, that was the thing I was going to talk about, you know. is My... Familia, you know, Andrea gave him a lot of credit because he was most valuable met in the first half, and she was right. Uh, but he has not been that because there have been those tightrope heart attack saves that we talked about last week. And then you can only do that so long and you're going to lose them. So he was at 50, 54. 50, was well, it 52? I think the record was, the second place record was 54. So I think he got to 52.
1: I know he's in third place.
0: And then he I was, was right? worried because then he lost two in a row. And I'm like, well, now he's going to lose 52. He's going to blow 52 saves in a row. I was very worried.
1: Well, the fact that he blew two. Yeah. One is bad enough. But then Terry said that he was going to sit him. Yeah. And then Terry just was like, as Andrea says, which way is the wind blowing today? And Terry was like, "Okay, Familia can come in and close again." And
0: yeah. I yeah, don't... and I mean uh, that wasn't like a very comfortable lead. No. You know? And we... he
1: doesn't do well with tight leads. Yeah. Not to say that you know we need to give him a three-run, three-run yeah. lead for him to come in because his job is to retain the lead regardless of the gap. But at the end of the day, if if he can come in with with three runs up on the on the opposing team. That's the best case scenario.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the fact of the matter is, so this was Thursday, which was the first game in the Rockies series, which inexplicably was a day game. I get it, it was camp day, but still, like, the Marlins had to travel the night before. So that was, sorry, not the Marlins, but the the Rockies had to travel the night before. And that's got to be infuriating. I don't know know how the schedule makers make some of these decisions, but we'll talk about that another time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so it was a very slim lead, and we knew that Terry said before the game, that Familia wasn't available. So when Addison Reed came in in the eighth, I'm like, oh, maybe he's going to pitch two innings. You know what? He can do it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Familia came out. I'm like, wait a minute. They didn't score more runs. There's, this, this is a terrible idea. You knew he needed a day off and you used him anyway. It's not like you had to have this game. You probably would have won the game. if you. you know, it's always hard to say. But you had a better feeling about the game. And, uh, you know, the first blown save, which was the third game in the series against but the Cardinals. But it was yachty.
1: It was Yadier Yadier Molina, Molina. and that's what hurts.
0: That's what hurts because he's such a diminished player, and it's what I like to, because I don't like the Yankees, it's what I like to (laughs) refer to as the Scott Brocious effect. He's a terrible player, terrible regular season player, and he hits like 400 in the World Series. You know, it's like, oh yeah, this is important. All right, I'm going to (laughs) try now. Yadier Molina Molina is so broken down and beaten up at this point, you just feel like, all right, he doesn't have it anymore, Mm -hmm. except for when he plays the Mets. And yeah, that was infuriating because they had this tremendous. Home run by Cespedes to come back in that game. And they went ahead and it was great. The game had been like very entertaining. And then to just blow that save and to, you know, just go so quietly in the ninth, both nights that he blew the save, it's like, I don't know. It, it, it's one thing to happen the first night, but you're like, oh, you would have won the series against the Cardinals. That would have been great. Would have gotten the next day. You would have rebounded nicely. So, and then you just have these awful games on Friday and Saturday. That you know, so Friday was uh six to one and Saturday was seven to two. And we'll talk about something in Saturday's game that drove you crazy, but yes, the games were not close, so they were really not fun to watch. I talk about how much I love to watch Gary, Keith, and Ron, and I would just watch them like read the phone book and joke about it, and I would that would win an Emmy by the last. Game, I was just like I was so frustrated that it was just like just get a hit, get a hit with runners scoring position, and as good as Neil Walker looked, it, it wasn't enough, you know, because Dribble Cabrera continues to get up in you know runners in scoring position, and we still don't get anything to show for it. So I don't know, it was frustrating. But let's talk about Saturday, the, the end of the game, and as they talked about during the broadcast, it wouldn't have really impacted the game most likely because it was seven to two was the final, so it could have been seven to three, but. You talk about it first, and then I'll weigh
1: in. So, I have a unhealthy obsession with the rule book, it, and rule books in general.
0: Yeah. I really well, feel, we showed we showed your uh, scorekeeping last yes. week. Yeah. And
1: I really feel that if a rule book exists, it's because the rules are meant to be followed, and it's not a suggestion book. Right. So, at the end of the game, Wilmer's home run that wasn't really bothered me because I understood Terry's point that he thought it should have been a ground rule double.
0: Yeah, because it it wasn't that they ruled. You know, okay, it's not a home run. The fan reached over, uh, but they called him out. Correct, because you could have argued that it was not a home run. That was very easily provable from the video because the guy reached down, and the angles. It's a little confusing, but there's no way that the outfielder was going to catch it. So it should not have been an out. Correct. You know,
1: and first of all. The fan who caught that. I mean, I get that you caught a ball, and I. But
0: he apparently was very belligerent toward. Who was the outfielder? Was it Doll? Or... Yes. Yeah. Who,
1: by the way, is in his first week in the majors and is <laughs> killing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, look. The Rockies have had some good luck with uh, Trevor Story and Doll. You know, just right when they come up, boom. Mm. You know, and uh, that's a team that should be better, but they pitch their home games, you know, a thousand miles up in the air. Yeah, I'm exaggerating. But anyway. <laughs> so So back I, to the rule book. I took
1: to the rule book because I was curious as what does or does not count as an automatic out. So I the first thing I wanna read is something that is under the category general instructions to umpires.
0: Oh. Because boy. apparently
1: they need instructions. Well
0: clearly they need instructions because so, you get bad Replay calls like that night.
1: And I'm going to tweet out an image of this later. So if you so, don't understand what Melisse I'm saying. So I'll Wine. Yes. yes. So if you don't understand what I'm saying. And now, I'll, which is, I'll
0: retweet them from at yes. Mint.
1: So this is from General Instructions to Umpires. Do not allow criticism to keep you from studying out bad situations that may lead to protested games. Carry your rulebook. It is better to consult the rules and hold up the game 10 minutes to decide a naughty problem than to have a game thrown out on protest and replayed. So I just... Apparently they needed to be told that, which bothers me. That, yeah, uh, it's no, not that, they, common they, sense. that
0: yeah, that is common sense. So, I, I think ever since the Pine Tart game, that uh, there's a lot of like, just you know, try and keep your head, keep you know, figure it all out exactly. They so they don't then seem to listen. I
1: took to this is Rule 6.01D. <gasps>
0: I love rule numbers. Go ahead, more, more, and this more. This is for
1: unintentional interference. I'm going to summarize the beginning part, but basically. It's only unintentional interference if it's by someone who has the authorization to be on the field, be it a bat boy, a player, an umpire, base coach, etc. So if the interference is intentional, which would be a fan, the ball shall be dead at the moment of interference and the umpire shall impose such penalties as in his opinion Mm. will nullify the act of interference. So I, I read that and my first thought is, okay, well, what makes... Who hires the umpire and says, well, you have good
0: opinion." Well, and apparently his opinion was that it was out, which it very clearly should not have been the opinion.
1: And then in there's another rule for spectator interference. But in the subset, like, comment for the rule, it says, batter and runners shall be placed where in the umpire's judgment they would have been had the interference not occurred. Which bothers me because the rule is straightforward.
0: Yeah, I and would say it, so. And yeah. it gives
1: the umpire... You know the ability to do what they believe is the correct call, but there's the problem. It's in their judgment. What what is saying that Alan Porter has better judgment than Adrian Johnson? Who is dictating that their judgment is accurate or good? Because if you watch that, that that hit doll hadn't jumped not to say he wasn't going to
0: right but he didn't right yeah. but like
1: let's look at the traje- trajectory of the ball like physics or whatever science it is i know my brother's gonna be like that's not physics um
0: but <laughs> it's, it's science it would
1: have hit above the yeah. line and he wouldn't have caught it right so i get that you want to review the play and i get that you have the right to review it based on the rules which are very clear-cut but the decision making should not be left up to judgment
0: no, I agree, and look, this is it speaks to a, a bigger problem, and I am not opposed to having the replay system, even the way it exists now. Uh, you know, it's not perfect, but God, there are so many plays just in my lifetime. I you know, I didn't even have to talk about like old time <laughs> baseball things that it would have been great if they could have reviewed. Did you hear just, Keith
1: today complaining? I did
0: not because I only heard the radio broadcast. Very today.
1: upset that there was a review because it t- it was delaying the action of the game, and he had he could have had enough time to go get a coffee and take a lap around the stadium, to which Gary said, go get a coffee, we can cover for you. (laughs) So Keith wants to abolish
0: instant replay. Well, to be fair, Keith usually has dinner reservations after the game. And we saw him. I once. was going to say, when we were in San Diego last season, we had met up down there, and he did not uh, he, have a reservation. He did not have a reservation. He could not get into uh, the Otaka, the yes. sushi bar near Peko Park, which
1: is delicious. So, and if you're I in San really, Diego, yeah,
0: please, and if they there. want to send us free sushi, I'll take it express sure. all the way up. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I was so excited. I'm like, oh my god, is Keith going to sit at the sushi bar with us? And then he couldn't get in, and then he left, and I was like, oh.
1: yeah, but doesn't it make you feel better that you're better?
0: I Okay, in that way, in that like, I like, got to the restaurant earlier. That's the only way I'm better. We still because, have to wait an like, hour, though. <laughs> I don't even have a cool mustache. I got nothing. You
1: he know? doesn't
0: anymore either. And he go, he goes back and forth. But anyway, he can't keep All of that besides the point. It, it, it is the question. As much as I think that replay is useful, there are so there are too many times where they just so blatantly get it wrong, like when they review it and they say no decision because they can't figure out whether or not to overturn it. Or if they just say the call stands because of the fact that there's not enough evidence. I'm fine with all that. They looked, they couldn't, you know, at least there was an opportunity. And what drives me crazy more than this, and I should have talked about this in the series against the Marlins, because Don Mattingly, to his credit, uses this really well. He is out of challenges, but then he will go talk to the umpires and get them to review it on their own. And, I don't know how Terry didn't get thrown out of the game for complaining at the fact that Don Mattingly got an extra review and it it did overturn the play and it did impact the game. But I can't believe I didn't talk about this that week because it drove me so crazy. There must have been so much clearly,
1: more. You remember it a week no, later, I so it. you know.
0: And it drove me so crazy there had to be so much worse that happened later in the week is probably why I don't, I didn't remember to talk about it. And it's just, I don't know. I, but what do you guys think of replay? I mean, you know what? If they're not going to get it right, I say you can get rid of it. So tweet us at Mets or comment on the YouTube page and we'll uh, certainly comment on it next week. So... Anyway, uh, as I mentioned, I went down to Anaheim today for. uh, I cheated on the Mets and I saw the Angels. uh, But, uh, you know, I was keeping my eye on the scoreboard and looking at my phone. And uh, Syndergaard, from what I could hear on the drive down, because the first few innings I did hear of the radio broadcast, seemed like uh, he was having a good game. But then he was. So he must have had a high pitch count because
1: 118. Yeah. And because
0: I saw that he was out early, I'm like, what is mm-hmm. Blevins doing in the game? And that, it's sort of great that we can, like, you know, get our phones and keep tabs on a game, but it makes it infuriating because you're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it takes so long for the next play. You're like, what happened? Did somebody run on the field? Did they foul off 19 pitches? You don't know.
1: Or when it says, like, um, injury cause, oh. and I'm like, who's injured? Who, who's what injured? happened? Yeah. And then it's like, yeah. somebody. Their fingernail broke on a pitch.
0: Right. Or it's like ball in play for like, you know, two minutes. You're like, that's a long in play. But John Carlos
1: like, Stanton. Just...
0: Yeah, it still hasn't <laughs> landed yet. I think a couple of those home runs at Citi Field that he hit a couple weeks ago uh, still have not landed. But anyway, so uh, it seemed like he had a good game. But, you know, all these Mets pitchers are throwing so many pitches. So clearly... Everybody has a good approach to, at least Syndergaard and Mats. They're, in particular, the two that have high pitch counts. No, and DeGrom as well, actually. So you're just working the pitch count, and that seems to be what happened in in today's game. Am I correct in that, Yes, Melissa?
1: Um, I mean, Syndergaard's pitch count was high. He wasn't pitching particularly poorly. He was doing a great job. But, I mean, especially with a young guy who has had, you know, been around the injury conversation quite a few times this year.
0: What with the bone spurs? Yes, one
1: eighteen is high, whether you've been in the injury talks or not. Yeah, and the fact that they let him stay in that long—I mean—is again a very Terry thing to do. The wind is blowing east, so Syndergaard gets one hundred eighteen pitches today. But
0: you know, yeah, and then uh, you know, another game he'll use five relievers in an inning. You know, so it just depends. But anyway, back to your point. Yeah, that was the end of my point. That (laughs) was the end of your point. So that, yeah, and I don't know. So again, credit to Neil Walker, who I was definitely piling on last week. Glad to see that he's hitting again. It has been a long time since May, though, so nice of you to wake up and actually start hitting again. But did again. you hear?
1: His home run today, He has officially hit more home runs this year as a Met than he did all of last year as a Pirate. Is that absurd?
0: That is absurd, because, uh, although it's been a long time since he hit one, because I remember he was getting close to it. His April was
1: ridiculous. That April was insane, I
0: know. I felt really good about the Mets in April. We started the show in May, and I feel like uh, I I sort of... uh, So when the show
1: started, the Mets went downhill. uh, Just a little bit,
0: (laughs) yeah. There's some good weeks, but uh, I, I do take some of the credit. But uh, anyway, so it seemed like a good game. And tell me about the Familia save. Uh, was it another tightrope one, or was it reasonably quick? It or? was
1: beautiful. It was a one, two, three. Oh, I love that. Bottom of the ninth. Of course, it's
0: because I didn't watch. Of course, I and... have to stop watching. <laughs> I'll do the show and just ask you every week. So what happened? But
1: that's too much pressure. Yeah. Okay. Um. He struck out the first two guys, and the third one was a little comebacker, like like a tapper. I wouldn't oh, call it a comebacker. Man. To Familia, and he did a you know his little toss that was almost in the dirt. and could have been pretty bad. But you know what? A 1-2-3 inning and a save, I'll take That's it. Great. Start the streak over again.
0: Well, and now we turn the page to the week ahead, as we alluded to. You have the uh, four games, the home-and-home home against the Yankees. And uh, it looks like tomorrow night we'll have uh, Sabathia and Verrett. And then... Well, that'll
1: be great. Tuesday
0: will <laughs> be Tanaka and DeGrom, which could be really good. Tanaka is sort of up and down, and you know what? So is DeGrom sometimes. And then there were some TBDs. Ivan uh, Nova for the Yankees at Yankee Stadium on Wednesday. It seems like it would be Mats, um, and then Nathan Navaldi for the Yankees on Thursday. Probably Cologne again, although he did he did not really short know, rest. that short rest did not look good, and uh, you know he is fifty three or whatever he is. So maybe that's, that's generous. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they know they're going to add a starter, or they hope they add a starter, and they'll put him in the mix, but. Melissa and I were uh, trading messages earlier today because the game Twitter. started. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're right. On the, you know, the game was in a rain delay. And I was like, oh, this would be so great if a game gets rained out. Uh, because I just, I, I don't need the stress of another, you know, miserable loss to the Rockies. And then Syndergaard could start against the Yankees. And everybody gets a day. But they won. So then it's like, all right, I, again, I was wrong.
1: But it did come at the cost
0: of struggle Cabrera. Cabrera. Yeah, which, you know, how much does that cost, really? I'm sure he's a nice guy. I don't want him to be hurt, but he was a guy I was saying should sit down more. So. Yes,
1: but but sitting down by manager choice is very it's different, a lot different from yeah.
0: forced yeah because like, Yeah, because then, you, then you could use him to pinch hit into a double play, so that would have been great.
1: That's terrible. That is terrible, you know but what? I, I hope but he I,
0: feels better and that they trade him to another team. Maybe the Indians want him back.
1: No, if they do add him to the DL, which he's seeing a doctor tomorrow, so I'm sure we'll have something right around the same time we find out if there are any trades. But it's looking like they're going to call Matt Reynolds back up because he's already on the 40-man roster. Matt Reynolds is not doing too hot right now. He's 0 for his last 12
0: in Vegas. In Vegas. And Vegas is not uh, a hard place to hit home runs in particular. Uh, The ball just flies out of there. A lot of times, whether – because in recent years – Las Vegas, where the 51s are, who are the Mets A team. Uh, in recent years, it's been a Mets affiliate, a Blue Jays affiliate, and about 12 years ago it was a Dodgers affiliate. And those organizations usually don't send their best pitchers to Vegas because of the way that the ball flies out of there. Uh, Stephen Matz did pitch there, and I, I saw him last year. I was very excited. But anyway, uh, so the fact that Matt Reynolds is not hitting in Vegas is not encouraged. No. It was encouraging that Conforto was hitting in Vegas, and they brought him back up because, yeah, he's got some confidence back. So, I, I don't know. I, I think it's they're just really hoping and that I'm they so make some of change. I'm so happy
1: to see Nimmo and Conforto together. Yeah. First of all, this two young guys, both very athletic, you know, play their positions beautifully. But also, Brandon Nimmo's smile is so infectious <laughs> The Mets were having a terrible game, and Nimmo has his little, little bloop single, and he's smiling like the whole world
0: yeah. is okay. perfect,
1: and it makes me so happy. I've talked
0: about it on the show. I love Nimmo, and uh, I hope he's around. I hope he continues to hit, obviously, but uh, I think having that kind of positive energy is exactly what they need right now because there's not a lot of good news, you know, especially if they don't make any truly significant trades. Having Nimmo around, I don't know. what it, you know, If Nimmo stops smiling, then you know the season's over. I'm gonna just. I say, hope you know, he never stops. Smiling. I don't. I hope he never stops smiling too. I just feel like. So um, I don't know. What do you think about this matchup with the Yankees? The Yankees, who surprisingly, I don't remember this happening in the last 20 years. The Yankees have conceded that this is not a year that they're going to be competitive, and they're dealing away <laughs> everyone in their bullpen. They dealt away. They dealt away. or old as Chapman.
1: Yeah, and Andrew Miller.
0: Yeah. They got Clipper, so clearly they don't. They're going exp- for it. Yeah, they're going <laughs> for blown saves, is what exactly. they're going for, as we found with Clipper last year. So they they just need somebody who can close mm-hmm. because they dealt away their setup guy. Uh, I know they have uh, Dylan Patances, but for whatever reason, they're like we'll get Clipper too. So it's amazing because now you're facing a Yankee team that knows that their management, their front office has no faith in them because they gave away all their good chips. And look, to be fair, those are great trades that they made. They got a haul for both of those players. And Brian Cashman has probably the hardest job in baseball because you know he has this unlimited budget, but he can't make the kind of deals that he just made this offseason. This is the first time I remember him making a deal where... You were able to kind of fleece these other teams and just get some, you know, great prospects, some cool like little parts that you can put together one day for your elite players. You usually have to keep them because it's like, no, you have to win the World Series this year. Well, it's been a long time since the Yankees have won the World Series. Doesn't yeah, it mean, feel good. It, it does. <laughs> I mean, it, it, at least the Mets have been to the World Series more recently than they have. But it's true. You know, this is a small, very small consolation because you just have, a, you know, a lifetime of growing up with Yankee fans. You. But anyway. <laughs> Again, for another time. So, that was sort of a long ramp up to my question. How do you think that they'll match up against this Yankee team, this disheartened, underperforming Yankee team?
1: I think the Mets are the same way. They're not performing to their highest ability at the moment. I think what makes the Subway Series so great is that it's the Subway Series. I don't think it has... I mean, obviously it has something to do with the talent of both teams. Yeah. But I enjoy watching it because of the, the rivalry. Which is, you know, it's very intense. And, I mean, I'll be happy if we take two games. I'll be yeah. happy if we win at least one.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and there there are the rare years where the Mets actually swept the Subway Series. I think they, 2004 maybe, uh, swept like the season series. And that was when it was six. And it was crazy. And it was like, that was all we were going to have to celebrate. But, you know, we basically had a ticker tape parade. So, <laughs> Anyway, um, I think that they match up pretty well. And I do find, although the Royals didn't have a problem in the World Series, when your American League team plays in the National League part, you lose your DH, obviously. So... And, you know, A-Rod is not the A-Rod of old, but for him to get less at-bats, you know, he's going to get one at-bat a game, basically. So, you know, it, it's definitely a, a potential a tool. I mean that in every sense of the world. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm very happy that I just thought of that. Uh, so that's one of the tools that they have that, you know, won't be performing you know, won't be getting the opportunity to perform how he's capable. So, um, and then I do think it helps the Met to actually add Cespedes as a DH in those those next two games at Yankee Stadium. And uh, unfortunately, oh, so what do I think happens? Um, I, I think that they will probably win one in each place, you know, so they will split those four games. Because as we talk about every week, the Mets are a very average team. Some weeks they're below average. This week they're a lot below average. It's very frustrating. So
1: next week they'll be way above average. They just have to, they got to keep the scale. Hey,
0: I'll take it. That'd be great. Perfect. Um, unfortunately, after they leave the Bronx, they got to go to D Town. They got to go to Detroit, who I think has just won their seventh consecutive game. They sw- oh I was talking gosh. to my friend. who's a Red Sox fan. Uh, they were the Red Sox were just there at, earlier in this road trip, and they got swept. And if you look at that Red Sox lineup, the first five guys are all hitting around 300. So if you know you can get those guys out, you can definitely get the Mets out. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know what the pitching matchups are because it's too far off. Just because I know the way things work out, we will definitely see Jordan Zimmerman with two ends. Because he always pitches really well against the Mets in all of his years for the Nationals. So I'm sure, oh look, he's gone to the American League. He's in the American League Central. We'll never see him. No, of course we're gonna lose a game, so it'd be a heartbreaker. And I'll talk about it next week because I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah, I'm a little down, as you can probably notice.
1: But you're looking so far into the future with such pessimism, it hurts.
0: Yeah, well, I didn't even want to look at who they play after the Tigers because I no, was gonna be it's disappointed. Not worth it. Yeah. I was just I was just like, oh man, that but those are their last American League games of the season. So oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so if if Cespedes is not even, say, like 80%, just put him on the DL, enough already. There are too many guys that are kept on the roster and not put on the DL because they might turn it around or they might be okay. And, you know, it's just like, I feel like if you'd put Cespedes on the DL like two, three weeks ago, he'd probably feel a lot better right now. But what do I know? Maybe you needed to stay at least reasonably competitive... Competitive at the deadline for the Wilpons to sign off on anything. I don't know, but um, are you optimistic for the these games against the Tigers next weekend? Um,
1: you know what? Because they are American League and they're not the Yankees, so I yeah. don't have you know I don't have a ton of knowledge about sure. them. The only reason I feel good about it is Curtis Granderson because I feel like he knows the park. That's true. Not to say that he knows. You know, the players, so much has changed since he It's been a there. good
0: point because he's going to play five straight games. Well, if you count the two at City Field. So he's yeah. going to play every game he plays this week, will be at a park where he's been a home player. Exactly. So he's very comfortable with everyone. And that makes yeah. me feel
1: better. But again, Granderson's been slumping recently, so yes, he has. it doesn't make me feel great. Yeah. But his, his knowledge of the parks, you know, from a more personal level, because he did spend so much time there, it makes me feel a little bit better and gives me a little bit more yeah. hope.
0: Look, I think that the the Subway Series games are usually fun to watch. There have been a couple that are just miserable, but uh, you know, I've been at We've, a couple. I've been at a couple of good ones. I, I was at one in I think it had to be two thousand two, where <laughs> Mo Vaughn uh, hit like oh a huge gosh. home run off David Wells, and the Mets went on to score six runs in an inning, and they were about to be oh. swept. And it it was a great feeling to be at Shea Stadium. It was one of those late ESPN games, which on, you know, on the East Coast, they end like almost midnight. So it was very exciting. And, uh, I don't know that anything's ever quite come to that. Although there have been some great ones I've watched. You know, Dave Wright gets the hit off of Marion Rivera. So if uh, you guys have uh, favorite Subway series memories that you want to share, just comment on the YouTube page or tweet us at ABTVMets. Um... Melissa, do you feel like you got to all your notes? I don't want to have skipped any of the you know topics what? The that you to The only really thing I want to mention to. is Please. because we
1: were so down on the pitchers. I just saw, before we came on the air, Addison Reed today, had his 26th hold of the season, and it matches the Mets franchise record. It was set 10 years ago by Aaron Heilman. So it brings up what... Uh, Why
0: would you mention his name? Look what you did to I'm me. I'm so sorry. I was starting to feel better, and you mentioned Aaron bleeping Heilman. But you
1: know what? Addison Reed is going to keep going, and he's going to surpass love- him, and then yeah. Heilman's name And then no one will, be will be ever known. remember his exactly. name in a
0: positive light, because and you he- should only think negatively about Aaron Heilman. And
1: I feel like, in general... And Steve Hofstetter mentioned this a few weeks ago when neither of us were here. Oh, yeah. Um, neither of us, that, us were here. <laughs> But I listened to it. so I, I, I did, know. too. That um, he was talking about how forgettable Addison Reed is in, in a nice way. Right, because, because
0: he's, he's so good and he's locked down. Exactly. It's, it's kind of like the there was definitely a stretch where Familia was forgettable in that way. Where you're like, exactly. oh, yeah, okay, great. We got and it.
1: it's so easy to to focus on your starters and your closers because, obviously, they have the most to do and the most time in the game. Um, So it's really easy to forget about the Addison Reeds, the Hansel Robles.
0: Yes. Hansel Robles, another guy I was very hard on early in the run of the show. He has been great lately. And, you know, look, there's going to be hiccups along the way. So I do feel pretty good about the bullpen. If they add somebody in there, a Joe Smith or a uh, Houston Street, Mm -hmm. anything like that, that's only going to help. But uh, stop stop bringing Eric Adele into games. Anyway, go ahead. So
1: for our forgettable players, we do have, you know, Familia's streak might be over yeah. and might be starting again, but Addison Reed has a great streak going, and yeah. he's so forgettable that he's wonderful, and the tweet got lost in the feed.
0: <laughs> well, uh, so I'm going to say that uh, my player of the week, I'll go first in case you don't have one and you need to oh, think about I do. it. I I'm going to go, and I'm, I'm certainly uh, eating my hat, eating crow, whatever any of those sayings are. Uh, it is, of course, Neil Walker, because in a week where uh, there wasn't a lot to point to, Neil Walker had a great week. And uh, I hope he keeps it up because he always seemed like a likable guy when they were in Pittsburgh. You could see how much the fans in Pittsburgh loved this guy, how they, you know, they wished that they still had him to cheer for every day. So uh, good job, Neil Walker. You're my player of the week. Melissa.
1: I'm going to have to go with Neil Walker.
0: Oh my God. Neil Walker all around. Look at us agreeing Look on things. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, he went 12 for 19 this week. Yes. And the Mets had five errors and he was not one of them. He did not make hey, one of them. That's all that matters. You know what? He, he hit well. He drove in f- four runs today. I don't know how many for the whole week. I didn't count that far.
0: Yeah, there were a lot, though. Yeah, But,
1: you know, he, he definitely redeemed himself from the previous weeks when he had been in a slump. So, Neil Walker by a mile. No question.
0: Well, there you go. It's universal uh, because there's only two of us. So, uh, <laughs> so Neil Walker wins. Uh, you can always tweet at us who you think was the player of the week at ABTV Mets or comment on YouTube. Uh, we'll be back next week. I mean, I'll be back next week. I hope Melissa's here. We'll see, we'll see who's else. Uh, one of these days, Matt and Andrea will be back. But uh, don't forget, as I said, at ABTV Mets, I'm at Christian DMZ. She's at Melissa Wine. We will see you next time on Mets Rap 360.